Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Point of More Returns. We're doing it a little bit different this time as me, Welfare, I'm hosting primarily and I am interviewing my gracious co-host, The Masked Investor. How are you doing today, man? Hey, man, I'm well. Really appreciate you for asking. I'm ready to get this thing started and share some some information with the, the family. I appreciate that. So, Today's episode, we're mainly talking about creative financing, specifically around financing of your business and what you should do in a situation where traditional financing, such as bank loans, are unavailable or you're having some type of complication getting that type of financing. So the environment that we're in today really is the reason why we decided to have this episode is because we're talking about the challenges of of getting bank financing in the current market. So without further ado, I'll I'll tee it up for you, um, as an investor, and then I'll let you like go to work. Yeah, I appreciate it. As Welfare alluded to, this episode's a little bit different because typically we like to speak from our experiences here at Point of More Returns, but this one is going to be more of a speculative episode, not something that we've actually speaking from experience, but just some strategies that we've been banding about that may need to come into play as things continue to progress here in the markets. As you guys know, a lot of banks have been closing doors and thus as a result, the lending environment, the appetite for speculative, not speculative lending, but for business lending is starting to see some challenges. And so as you try to navigate this environment, it's good to have a couple of strategies in your belt to be able to uh, still move forward with your dreams. I know some of you may have been telling your lady or you know, whoever around you that, hey, I'm going to go out and buy some businesses. And they start looking at you like, hey, what's going on? So there's some ways to keep the dream alive, keep pushing the ball down the court, and hopefully score some wins, even in a challenging environment. So let's go. All right. So I guess to start off, the first thing I would want to iterate is the first is just to be prepared, right? Because this is going to be a little bit different than your typical deal. Typically, when you put the deal together, you're trying to negotiate it from a position of strength, you come into the buyer with some some capital in hand, and you're trying to structure a deal that makes sense for both parties. Uh, for this one, you're still trying to structure a deal that makes sense for both parties, but you're more coming from a position of, of weakness. And so from that situation, you're going to start looking for businesses that can be acquired with, with no money or maybe open to more creative avenues than financing. So um, that doesn't typically rule out all the brokers. There are a lot of brokers who will still work with you in those circumstances. Uh, I know first things first, some people will be like, well, that just kind of rules out the brokerage sites, but I would be wouldn't be so quick to do that. Uh, and the best way to start your, your search for that is to start looking for opportunities that you feel may have been around for a while on the site. So if you haven't been looking, which is one of the things that I advise if you're trying to get into the deal environment, just like with the house, you want to just keep continuing looking way up before you even start down the path of acquisition. So if you're not looking currently, you, today is the better than, than ever to start looking at sites and start getting a feel for what's out there in the marketplace. Because over time, you'll start to see trends in terms of types of businesses that may take a while to sell, that may be up on the site for a while. Some businesses, they go up on a site, go on a contract, and then they get taken down and then they get put back up after the contract falls through. So, so, so Mass Investor, that that's a, a key point that you just highlighted. I want to slow it down and make sure the, the listeners caught that gem that you're just saying. So what he's essentially saying is, you know, if 
you are in a need for creative financing, or it could be seller financing, or maybe the seller of the particular business may be willing to play ball in the sense of, hey, they're open to some alternative means in terms of getting the business sold. One of the keys is to look on the sites and see which listings have been on there for a while. Not necessarily saying that they're desperate, but you know maybe they're looking for the right type of opportunity or maybe like they deal fell apart and they can, couldn't come to terms with the sales price. But due to the business being for sale for a, a decent amount of time, there may be an opportunity to work out a deal and it could be a great negotiating opportunity and a tactic to get you know favorable terms exactly exactly now on that note too i wouldn't limit myself solely to the brokerage sites another great source for deals is maybe just to start calling a few small business accountants that are around your city as well and just put a fill out and say hey you know have you been noticing any sellers who have been motivated to maybe move on from their business and those will also produce some some ideas for you as well that you can go and start talking to and getting some information about this. Now, this process, it may move fast. It may move slow. You may find a really motivated seller. I had a friend of mine a couple of years ago. He actually came across a business that he was able to buy for basically, you know, a thousand dollars down, basically. I had another friend who he ended up getting a business almost for free. The seller, he they came to the table, he put the deal together, he paid down his first down payment, and then the seller kind of got ghost. He didn't demonstrate any performance on the agreed upon the contract. But luckily, you know, the in the transition period, he did give him enough to where he knew how to operate the business and he just essentially just took over the business and didn't have to pay any payments on it. He was able to get in touch with the seller a few months later, and it turns out the seller were just was ready to move on. He didn't even really care about the rest of the balance. He just, you know, wanted to get what he could get. And, you know, was happy just to get out of business and move on because he couldn't felt like he, he reached the peak of what he could do with it. So now, you know, my guy's opening, operating a, you know, $750,000 a year business with, you know, just, he was able to buy it a steal. So oh, you'll wow. be surprised at some of the things that you'd be able to come across. If you're able to, if you want to dig for it though, and that's the thing just to be able to dig. Go ahead. That, those are really great examples. So, you know, maybe we can, between those two deals, could you kind of talk about the due diligence process in terms of what they were able to uncover? Could you talk about how they were able to negotiate the terms? And then can you talk about like, were there certain industries for these businesses maybe like there was a reason why they chose these type of businesses. Maybe they had like certain skill sets or had, you know, some type of synergies with the existing businesses or experience that they had. Yeah. So the one that was recently I was spoke of last, that was a software business. Basically he had bought a, basically it's like a kind of payments processing slash, I wouldn't say trading, but kind of marketplace type of thing. And so it just, you know, the, the guy just built up a, you know, he built up a site, you know, he think he spent, I don't know, maybe about a year, two years building up like the base for it. He wasn't really, the seller wasn't really a sales guy. He was more of a product person. And so I guess it's kind of, he just thought if I built it, it was going to grow into this billion dollar, million, hundred million dollar business. And 
he wasn't really interested in the sales and marketing side of things. And so, um, you know, you get someone with that background and that's another thing. You just maybe find a business that has something that's weak, that you're strong in, and you can come in and add value right away because most of the infrastructure is already in place. They just need maybe a guy who knows how to sell or someone who knows how to do Facebook ads or someone who, you know, just has a really good process with dealing with inventory and program, I mean, with, you know, supply chains. So it, it just depends, but you can really find some gems if you're willing to dig and find what, what you're know, just talking with the seller and just finding out what they've been operationally excellent at and what they haven't been. But uh, another thing that I would say is that as you're looking through these sites, if you're, you know, coming across with, with no money, just be prepared to take a cut in pay because the seller more than likely will still want to pay out and typically to pay out or a seller notice three to five years. So if you're having them plug the gap, that's typically there from a bank financing, you're, you're looking at a much, much larger note that they would have to carry. So for instance, I'm looking at a business right now. Uh, let's say typically that this may or may not be something that would be open for that, but it's an Amazon FBA exclusive e-commerce brand does paper wall posters. I've got an asking price here of 592. $519,000, cash flow $194,681. Now, you're looking at that at first glance, you're like, oh, you know, almost $200,000 in cash flow, you know, the asking price is $500. So you're, you're under, you know, just about two, two times, two and a half times cash, right? 2.2 or something like that, just rough, rough back an envelope. But what you're, you're going to look at here is that you, you've got to get that 519 paid off. So Let's say you're not able to get a bank loan. You've only got $20,000 that you want to put down on it. So you've got to float a note for 500 with the seller. So how do you pay that off? Right? You're probably going to look at something like a $150,000 note payment. And then you're just taking home you know, 44, <laughs> which isn't very appealing, right? Because, but the thing you got to look at too, is that the 44, let's, let's do a back of the envelope calculation here. Isn't a true forty-four, right? So, like, if you're a salaried employee, that forty-four thousand dollars is going to be pretty tough. But you know, with one hundred ninety-four thousand dollars in cash flow, and you're paying one hundred and fifty of it out to the seller, you you probably find an account that's good enough that's allow you to keep the forty-four in total spend. So, you're looking at probably what's the equivalent of that in U.S. salary, right? About seventy-five, maybe eighty, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something around there. So, you know, you're looking at maybe three, four years where you're paying 150. If you look and look at, maybe you can find some ways to squeeze out some additional revenue and maybe change that note. But typically you're going to look at something like that if you're trying to plug that gap. And that's the, the I guess, the, the, the other side of the coin that isn't talked about when you hear these people talking about no money down. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can go get a business, no money down, no money down. Yeah, it sounds great in theory, but the money still has to come from somewhere to pay for it. So typically you're taking the profits from the business and using that to pay off the, the note. So the advantage of getting a bank financing note in a situation that you can spread that out over a longer term. So instead of that $500,000 being due in a three, four or five year period, you can spread it out over 10, maybe 15 years. And you're talking about, you know, $20,000, $25,000 a year payment or something like that. Something that's much, much easier on the wallet to swing and allows you to do some other things as well. But that's just something okay, so else to look at. Go ahead. Let me jump in. I want to make sure I heard that properly. So for myself and the listeners, what, what you're describing is like, hey, bank financing, you can kind of stretch out the debt service, like the payment 
over a little bit longer of a period for about 10 years, right? So right. your payments, you would, you would end up paying more interest in that situation, but it would potentially free up more cash flow on an annual basis because your debt service is going to be lower. Correct. If if the bank if the bank financing is not available, you're saying potentially the seller would carry the note, seller financing, but they're going to look at a much shorter term, like which is That's typically true. sounds like three to five years. And I guess do they carry a a, a note at a premium, meaning, meaning the interest rate is higher than like bank financing, or do they carry it at zero interest or is it, you know, they'll just get their payment, you know, if the business perform, uh, do they look for like a 20% down pay? Like, how do you typically structure those deals or negotiate those terms for that seller financing? And I'm glad you mentioned that. That's that's the other point, too, is that, you know, with the seller, it's a lot more negotiable. All those points are moving and negotiable, right? So you can do a seller note with zero interest. Those are definitely out there. That's definitely in the realm of possibility. Maybe it could be a 3% seller note. The other thing too is that the seller knows the business well, right? So a lot of, you know, even if you you know have a bank component, I always advise, you know, having a seller component inside of the note because it's going to get show to you whether, you know, they believe in the business itself. If you get a seller's like, no, no, I don't want none of that. I don't want taking any of the money on, then that's probably telling you something that, hey, he doesn't believe in this. Maybe you shouldn't either, right? But yeah, if you get a typically you'll get a seller to the baby, they want to be able to help. They may, you know, stay on for a couple months for advisory, and then you may have to kick them a fee to help anything beyond a certain point. But most of the time, they want to see things succeed. And there's some other things that you can do with the structuring to get creative to try to make it a little bit more functional for you. Like you could do an earnout which a dirty secret for the earnouts is that a lot of them don't actually get paid out because of the way the revenues go. But you could do like an earnout slash with the combination of the debt. You could maybe do something like, hey, you know, the first part of the debt's payable within the first year. And then, you know, after that, it's a percentage of revenue for five year period. There's a couple of things that you can do to make could it a lot describe- more palatable, but uh-huh. Nice. Could you could you describe or define an earnout? Yeah. So an earnout is basically a a payment mechanism that's tied to the performance of the business itself. So, for instance, typically it's tied to either a profit or a revenue target. So you say, you know, year one, if I hit a hundred thousand dollars, I will pay you X. You know, I'll pay you five percent. If it goes to one hundred five, we pay you six. It goes to 110, we pay you seven, and you know, it's from there and so forth, right? And so, or actually, you know, you flip it. If it goes 100, it's seven, 105, it's six, 110, we pay you five because it's a larger portion, right? And, you know, you just structure it like that. But typically, you know, when I was doing those with private equity, they would have creative ways to, to, to show the revenue report at the end of the year. So it looked like you didn't hit the number, right? And so that would ended up not getting paid out. <laughs> so well, you just have that, to be careful the, with us. That's, that's a little concerning. So <laughs> could <laughs> yeah, you kind of yeah. talk about, well, I don't want to go on a tangent, but could you kind of talk about in detail, like how that works? Like, how do you, how do you be mindful? Like if you're, if you're a buyer, well, I, I guess that's not good for the seller. So if you're a seller, then how are you mindful of that? Or how do you how do you combat something like that where it's like, well, they're kind of 
being a little cavalier with the way they're reporting the revenue and the income. Yeah, you well, it really would be in agreement with, you know, what metric you're going to tie it to and then to having a way to negotiate that is your your accountant team that runs the numbers at the end of the year and not their accountant team or something like that so that you can get a more favorable opinion of what happened in the business. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they're the operators. They, you know, can maybe push a contract in the quarter two. So instead of it closing in quarter one, it closes in quarter two. So that allows them to to miss the number and then still hit their revenue targets, this stuff like that. You just start getting seeing little creative tricks that, that happen and pop up if you don't watch it. Yeah. I see. Okay. So we talked about naturally like the bank finance, and then we talked about like trying to negotiate some terms with the seller that a motivated seller where the, the business hasn't necessarily moved. Are there any other, Oh, you also talked about finding potential deals from like your accountant or your CPA or your tax person. So those are like three avenues. Are there any other creative ways? Like I know like, oh, I could take equity out of my home or I could tap into my 401k or I could ask fam fam family and friends. Uh, are there any other creative solutions in terms of like looking for alternative financing that you can think of? Yeah, sure thing. There's a couple of other things. So let's say you go to the seller and he's just not going to budge and say, hey, I'm just not comfortable financing that much of a debt load. I, I'm, I'm happy to take some. You guys can come to agreement on a certain percentage, but he's just not happy doing 90, 95% of the deal, right? Which you know, I can understand. There's still some other avenues that you could try to go about that could possibly work to get you some creative financing. And it may not be able to put all of it together, but at least, you know, if he's able to get down to like 80 or 70% of the financing note, maybe that's more palatable for them, right? So uh, the first thing that, you know, you, you, you're going to probably try to take a look at is, you know, there's a couple of sites that, well, you can go to that specialize in trying to get financing for, typically it's like credit financing, right? What they do is, you pay them a fee and they will basically go out and syndicate debt for you on your behalf for business side of the equations. A lot of it is just credit lending, credit cards, and you can use that financing in order to get your way inside of the business. Now, the thing about it is that they do, they start you off with a 0% rate. It's a temporary, uh, not a permanent piece of financing because once you have that introductory rate for a few months, it, it it would go away, right? And then you get hit, you're talking about 20% or whatever per month. And that is not, you know, good, right? If you're going to pay that much interest rate, it basically eats away all of your profit margin. So what would happen is typically you're trying to bridge, look at it more as a bridge financing, right? So once you get in the business, you're operating it for six months. You then become eligible at that point in time to go for an SBA loan because you've been the owner for six months and you can show performance that's tied from the previous owner and then also you as an operation. And that would be able to help you put a more permanent piece of capital inside of the business for something like that for bridge financing. Another thing that you could do that would would possibly it's a little bit more harder to pull off as you go find another business to talk to <laughs> and use the cash flow from that to try to you know pull maybe two things together right and this one's a little bit less lesser known 
lesser done because it's just like I said, it's a little bit more trickier to pull off, right? So uh, what would happen is you go find a brick and mortar business, right? That actually has assets, right? Assets that you can loan against and things like that, right? And so you take that business, right? You're able to acquire, get hold of that. Obviously, you probably have a lien on the assets with the first seller. But what you get them to do is you get them to go secondary, supported. So you have a conversation with them, say, hey, okay, look, I, I'm going to, I've got a way to get you paid out faster. I'm going to get you some cash up front. And, but in addition to that, I'm going to find a way to, to pay you off and accelerate the payments, right? And so in that situation, they'd be more akin to going subordinate. So you take the assets of the business, you go subordinate, then you can go out and pledge those to get a loan. And then from that, you use that proceeds to pay him a portion of it. And then you pay a portion of that for the other acquisition. And then you combine those two cash flows. And then you can able to, to, to do that that way as well. It's a little less oh, that, known. That is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And that the degree of difficulty sounds really high on this one. So to break it down a little bit more, like for, for someone that may not like me, right? Like, let's just say what what is subordinate? What is subordinate debt? Like, how do you describe that? How, why would someone agree to that? Like, could you kind of explain that? Yeah, sure thing. So, and, and this is where you also would have to have someone like maybe the welfare here. He's got some models that he's put up that it would probably come into play here, right? Well, so what happens is you you basically, from when I you know looked at doing something like this a while back, well, actually we, we've done it. I just haven't applied it to the small business arena, right? But what happens is, okay, so subordinate debt, subordinate lien. So you got a first lien and then you got like a second lien, right? So typically when someone takes an asset, right? And they pledge it for to get a loan, the lender takes a lien against that asset. So their first person to get paid, if something was to go bad with that loan, they could sell the asset off, take that cash from that asset, and then they could pay you know you off or whatever, right? Pay off their, their loan. And if there's any cash left over after that, then you get to keep that to pay off any other creditors. So uh, let's say uh, you go in and you buy like a dry cleaner and they have a bunch of dry cleaning equipment and you take that equipment, you pledge it for a loan, you have $100,000 of equipment, they give you 70 for it. You take that 70 grand and you take 35 of it or 20 or whatever, and you pay the original owner of the business so that they take a subordinate position. They're getting some cash flow up front, so they're getting paid to take that subordinate position. That's why they would do that, because you're paying them to take that position. And then you take that other cash that's remaining, and then you go out to the other asset that you're originally trying to buy, and you give them 30000 or whatever to bump that payment down from being the 95% to more comfortable 75 or 70 or 80 or whatever it is that you're trying to get to. And there you have two assets. You've got the cash flows coming in from both assets coming into your books and you own them out and you're just using that to pay off both from the, 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 the proceeds of the loan. So he's already got his 15 and then you've got additional cash that's coming in that you're using to pay him and your other guy off. And so you see that in private equity deals quite frequently where they use one asset to gain control of another, or actually just to buy the actual asset itself. So, but um, this, that's an excellent strategy. So yeah. the, uh, the, the other, the other option, which is a little bit more common, I'm 
personally more familiar with. I know a couple of people that have gone through these companies. So there are, if you just do your, your searches online, there are companies that will actually help you secure financing for your business. And those particular companies, you pay a fee and they will go out mm-hmm. and secure like the mass investor said, like help you secure credit card or I guess lines of credit for the businesses. And so you would be able to spread out the cost of purchasing the business with those credit cards while there's the introductory interest rate, 0%. And then when the, I guess, interest rate set after the introduction period, then you would look to secure SBA finance. And is that, is that how you said people have structured the deals before? Is that yeah. correct? Yes, correct. So you go out, they you pay them three, $5,000. They start going out and syndicating a bunch of cards on your behalf. They set up like a business line credit for you. So the cards they get, they don't go on your personal credit. However, you would have to sign a personal guarantee with this route. Well, with most of the routes, you're going to have to sign a personal guarantee in order to get out of a personal guarantee. There's a few things you could do later to do that, but that's another episode. But you're going to sign a personal guarantee. They're going to give you these business credits. So they're going to sit on a separate line item off of your personal credit. You can still operate as you want to. So you'll have, you know, maybe whatever thousand dollars in personal credit card debt. They can be maxed out, whatever. Not going to show up in your personal account as long as you don't default. But the thing is, you're making the payments on it, but you want to try to get that converted to a more permanent capital structure before those uh, introductory rates convert to normal rates, because then you're going to start paying and that pain is going to be painful. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, if the, the risk is if it, if you're not able to secure the second half of the finance and then it's going to be super expensive and then you may potentially be underwater and we'd never advise anyone like losing their shirt or right the business not you know the the business not generating enough revenue to actually pay back the debt service so there there are risks involved with what we're saying always do your research always run the analysis and think about the what ifs and mm-hmm. you know just be protected try to protect yourself and uh, yeah just be just be mindful at all times like i know we're talking about like creative ideas but there are risks involved this isn't free money right not at all, not by any stretch of the imagination. It does carry a degree of risk because you're taking, but you know, you're getting a large reward, but you know, you just have to take a little bit more risk since you don't have risk capital to put up. Yeah, absolutely. So before we before we wrap this particular episode, do you have any parting words, advice? I know myself, like really quick, when I actually sold the business, the way I structured my deal was. I did. It was over a two year period. And I said, you know, I want 50% down, agreed to one one times cash, which was already a very favorable multiple. So one times cash, I said, I wanted 50% cash. And then the other 50% could be financed over, like, believe it was over 24 months. So over a two year period. And because I, I came with the very fair price, you know, me asking for the large cash payment, was a little bit more suitable for the seller. So it ended up working out and, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. That was my first time really being a seller on a particular deal, but, you know, it all worked out. And I think one of the keys to the deal is just being fair and understanding the position that the buyer's in and just, you know, 
coming to some type of consistent consensus on like terms and 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 what is good for both parties. So that that's that's my my story on deal flow. The 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 buyer didn't necessarily have to use any finance and they they were able to just do everything with cash and then the performance of of the business they were able to pay out every month from the performance of the business but there was no no debt service for that particular deal but do you have any like parting words or advice for the listeners mass investor yeah sure thing the last parting word i would say for all of these strategies that were first of all just as again this has been a speculative episode would not consider this financial advice i would consult with a competent financial planner or attorney before executing on any of these strategies but last i would like to say that there you know there are ways to make sure that you run these through financial models so you can kind of see a up case down case worst case scenario so you can plan out and be ready for the road ahead and how where you would kind of move things and how you would be able to operate in those certain scenarios uh, to help you weather through these different propositions we propose for you today. So, but last but not least, you know, again, you know, these strategies can work. It, it would give you chances and opportunities, especially in today's environment, for them to be more widely accepted because sellers do want to exit and they realize that, you know, a lot they're not going to be able to do it through your traditional avenues. Somebody's just not, you know, there's not a lot of people walking around who really to just break off $500 million and get into a brand new business. And so if they're going to get it out, they're going to find someone to work with. So you'd be surprised at how willing to work with you. If you come with the requisite professionalism, the credentials, and you show that you're serious, that goes a long way in negotiation. So there you have it. That's, that's great advice. Thanks for listening to this episode. You know, please follow us, like, please leave comments um, at wealth for, at Welfare and my co-host, The Mass Investor. And this is the point of more returns. All right. <laughs> <laughs>